Dr. Paul Cole is a dear friend. He's not even a guest speaker. He's been coming to this church along with his wife, Judy. Really, it's if you came without her, we wouldn't, we might not like you as much, but we'd still love you, right? Yeah, which you loving and liking in Jesus's heart is the same because he likes you even when you are a nincompoop. When you're unlovable, he still likes you, believe it or not. And that whole thing about I love you, but I don't have to like you, you won't find that in the Bible. That'll be my next message when I come back from Colorado, all right? And, uh, but I love and like them. And I'm thankful for you both. Many, many years ago, I went through a Purity with Purpose class at my church in Tulsa when I was going to Oral Roberts University. And in that class, I read a book called Maximized Manhood. And it was the first time I learned anything about what biblical manhood looked like. It's a multi-million copy bestseller all over the world for a long time. And it's Paul Cole's dad that wrote that, who's passed away, Ed Cole. And uh, then many years later, when we started Rock City Church, Dr. Terry Elder, who helped us start this church and who's a part of this church, said, hey, you have to meet Paul Cole. His dad was Ed Cole, wrote the book. And I said, oh, my gosh, I have to meet him. And that was, I don't know, eight years ago. And from that point on, we built a, a friendship. And what I like about Paul is he really is genuine, and so is Judy. Both of them are very sincere, and we love that. We see a lot of different people, and we actually only bring people back that we are in relationship with, and we're in relationship with them. And Paul keeps in touch with me. We use the men's curriculum here, and today you're going to see seven men get commissioned after three years, committing three years of their life to the curriculum and the program with Christian Men's Network. That'll be later. But Paul always gets me fired up. He's high energy. He's full of love and life. He's, he's a man after God's heart. And when he comes here, he breathes life into me. And uh, this year, so every year our men normally go to Dallas for the Lion's Roar Men's or Global Men's Summit conference and uh it's november 5th 6th and 7th this year we are actually going to host it here so we're going to have a men's conference here uh and we're going to broadcast live into dallas or fort worth or wherever it's going to be and we're going to actually have all of us gather together for food and fellowship while we join in live and that'll give more men an opportunity to be a part of it from here instead of taking a trip there all right and uh so I'm excited Paul's here. He's got an awesome word. I took detailed notes. I was fired up. I loved it. And it was, it was full of meat, full of life, full of joy. And it's exactly what we need to hear right now. He has no idea the season of, the, of what this church is going through. And he's spoken directly to it prophetically. Especially yesterday, we had two men's sessions. We had over roughly 40 guys here. And it was incredible yesterday. And uh, he's going to continue on with that today. And so listen in take notes, and let's welcome Dr. Paul Cole. Amen. 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 Let's do it again. Let's give it for Jesus. Come on. Come on. Yo, God, you're awesome. Fantastic. Everybody stand up with me. And uh, just, I love being at, at uh, one of our home churches. Right? right? And uh, just so good to be here. And my wife, Judy loves your Pastor Amber, and, and uh, we just think they're awesome. 
And I said, in the first service, I said, we really love her IG feed. You know the Instagram thing? But, I, but what Pastor David heard was feet. What Pastor Amber's feet. She, he goes, like, really? Me too. And uh, <laughs> she said, no, the feed. You know, the, the whole, you know, anyway. So funny stuff. But uh, great, to, great to just be filled with joy and feel the presence of the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Because uh, every day in the world, there's this stuff that tries to get on you and stick on you and, and, and just kind of connect itself to you. And we just come here and just shake it off, man. Like Paul, who got shipwrecked and he had a little snake bite him. He just shook it off and shake it off, man. All this stuff that tries to get on us, amen? And get our self-talk going, you know, with the Word of God in us, just speaking life over us. Man, I get fired up being with Pastor David and watching. And then, and then they let him play percussion today, which was kind of cool. You know, did a good job. Did a good job, yes. Every so often let the intern get up there, yeah, do the thing. So, uh, hey, we're going to put up a, a scripture, Romans 15, uh, 13. But first of all, uh, I, I want the men, and we had a great time yesterday. Uh, ladies, we, our goal is to raise up men who know how to fight for the next generation. Dads who know how to love and hug and kiss their kids, uh, to raise up men who know how to be men of integrity, men of power, men of brotherhood, amen, guys who are courageous, overcomers, you know, fired up men, and that's what we do in 134 countries around the world, and Rock City is a part of that and gives into that over 37 languages around the world, almost a million men every month going through the curriculum. Is that awesome? And you guys are a part of that. And uh, so I want to say thank you. But I also want to do this. So all the men, when I say, what's his name, you, see, you say Jesus. You ready? What's his name? Jesus. I can't hear you. What's his name? Jesus. Come on, what's his name? Jesus. Is that awesome to hear men shout the name of Jesus? Yeah. That's fantastic. Gets me fired up. Romans 15, 13. We're going to read it out loud and together. This is a scripture. Uh, January of this year, I, on a regular basis, read. Uh, I've got Bible programs, you version. And, and my friend, and then you've got challenges, and you've got guys that challenge each other. So Mike Murphy said, let's read the entire New Testament in 30 days. I said, boom, I'm in. So we did that in January. We've done it a few times since. But this thing jumped out at me. You know how you can read something over and over, and then bam, the Holy Spirit quickens something. In the Passion Translation, it jumped out at me. I don't want to speak off of this today into our lives and hearts. But I want to read it out loud and together. You guys good? All right, let's read out loud and together go. Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in Him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with His superabundance until you radiate with hope. Come on, somebody. Hope is alive. Hope has a name. Hope's name is Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It is always alive. It's real. It is truth. And Father, when we take this into our hearts, it changes the dimension and, and the future of our lives. We thank you that our definition is in Christ, not in crisis. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to four or five people as you're seated and just tell them you look good today. You look good today. 
They worked very hard making sure, well, most everybody worked hard. A few of us as guys, we just looked for the cleanest shirt in the closet, but that's being a guy thing. Great to be at Rock City. Great to be in Corpus Christi, the body of Christ. And I believe that God has this city, not just this, this group here, but, and by the way, second service, best service? Yes. Come on, somebody, just touch, touch, socially distance way. Touch a person next to you and say, second service, best service. And, uh, but I believe God has this city in a very special place. There are a number of wonderful pastors in this city, men of God that your pastor David is in fellowship with. They support each other. They pray for each other. They get together at regular times. And I, I just think that's really powerful. So when we pray for the church of Corpus Christi, we pray, for, we pray the parking lots are full of every life-giving church. Amen? Amen? Amen. Because that's, that's what's going to change the future when, when men and women come alive in Jesus Christ. Uh, we believe there's only two kinds of people. There's, there's, there's followers of Christ and soon-to-be followers of Christ. Can I get an amen? I mean, your neighbor is not the enemy. Right? Your na- you know the one who just bugs the heck out of you? You know with the way they park their car across the little edge of your driveway? You know that one? You know that guy. And, and the thing is, the, the people are not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. People are not the enemy. The people, every single person you come into contact with, is just one more touch away from becoming a follower of Christ. Yeah. Billy Graham, it's called the Ingalls Scale. It, was, uh, it, was, uh, it came out in 19, early 1960s. It was a professor. Billy Graham wanted to know how many touches does it take for a person to become a follower of Christ. And we do know in our world today there are people, including friends of ours, who have come to Christ just you know, with a vision. And it's happening in Muslim nations like crazy right now. In fact, Indonesia, our ministry there, just this year when I was there in February, we celebrated having reached our one millionth man and taken him through the material maximized man. Is that awesome? One million men. Over half of those men were former Muslim. In the last 15 years, Indonesia, that 15 years ago was 95% Muslim, 4% other, or excuse me, 4% Christian and 1% other. Today, they call themselves the largest Muslim nation on earth, 330 million people, 36,000 islands, and Indonesia, largest Muslim nation on earth today, by statistically speaking, over 30% of Indonesia Indonesia are followers of Christ. Is that awesome? And I also want to say a shout-out to everybody who's watching this online, and uh, we can see you there in that ratty old T-shirt. No, we can't. We can't. That would be weird. And uh, but we know because we've done that. Can I get an amen? And so uh, it is so great to see you here in the house of the Lord and to see what the Lord's doing at Rock City Church. And, and this word, Romans 15, 13, jumped out at me because it just, it was like the, the words in it. It was like super abundance and inspiration, fountain of hope, perfect peace, all these things. So I want to just break it apart a little bit. We live in a broken world, but we have the solution. The solution is Jesus. Amen? solution is Jesus. And the way people find out what the Engel scale said and what Billy Graham discovered was it said it take, on that scale it took 12 touches. It's 12 touches. And then from that tipping point, 
You know, there became, it, it was where the word uh, fully devoted followers of Christ came from, was from that study. And, uh, but 12 times, so think about it, think about it. So maybe that person's just like eight in and just needs four more, and you're like fourth to the tipping point. Is that awesome? I mean, think about that person on that journey that looks at you, and that's the Bible they're reading that week. That's you. You're the Bible that they're reading that week. It's you. How you act, how you treat that server at your table. Come on, somebody. Right? Size of tip you leave. Come on. We got any servers in the house? Going to be Come on. You know, <laughs> so anyway, hey, uh, Acts chapter 2. There's a guy named Peter, and he speaks. It's on the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, this amazing moment where the Holy Spirit's poured out uh, on the early church, and the early church explodes. There's a guy who does the first sermon in that era, the new church era, the second covenant era of the church. A guy named Peter stands up. Peter hasn't been a perfect guy, but God uses imperfect people, amen, with a perfect word. And he took a scripture out of the book of Joel, a prophet in the first covenant, and he gives this scripture and he uses it as part of his message. And when I read this the other day, because, see, self-talk, we get about 6,000 to 8,000 impressions a day that come across our mind. There's over 50,000 singular little thoughts that kind of float around. And six, well, at political season, maybe we got 10,000 impressions that come across our, Right? And, and we can talk uh, maybe 180 words a minute, 170, you can read about 200 words a minute. But self-talk, that's stuff we're talking to ourselves about, is about 400 to 500 words a minute. And, it, and it's what makes up our identity because your, your identity, in fact, we wrote a book about identity. It's, uh, it's a book my wife's husband wrote. <laughs> it's an awesome book. You don't want to talk about your own stuff. So... Uh, it's a book called Just a Bartender based on the life of Nehemiah, and it's about identity. Identity is the story you tell yourself about yourself. And too many of us are telling ourselves a story that somebody else wrote the lyrics to. That's why to get the Word of God in you, that's why we gather together, that's why we study the Word, because that displaces the self-talk that so easily gets on us. And what's happened in this season, it's very easy to be negative, very easy to go negative, because we're negative by nature. Before we become followers of Christ, we live in a world of negativity, right? So becoming a follower of Christ, the minute you do that, bam, you are instantly, the Bible says, born again. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, all things have become new. You're no longer defined by your past. You're defined by your future. Amen? So I'm not defined by the things I struggle with. I'm defined by the fact I'm a passionate pursuer of the pleasure of his presence. Amen? Somebody says, write that down. It's in the book. It's in the book. It's okay. So watch this. So now we're, we live in a negative world. We're instantly followers. Of Christ. We're instantly, bam, connected in with God. And then he begins a process. Everybody say process. process. We're all in process. We're all in different places. That's why Paul said in Colossians, have grace towards each other because not all of us are at the same place in the process. Amen. And so, we, and so things start to change. How we talk changes. The words we use change, hopefully. Amen? Because, I mean, right? Proverbs 4 says what you put in your heart is what your life becomes. 
That's why we talk about identity, because most people identify others based on what they do with their hands. God identifies a man or a woman based on who we are in our hearts. Because what you put in your heart is, is eventually what you'll do with your hands. Turn to somebody socially distanced manner and say, this is really good for you. Right? This is really good for you because what we put in our hearts is eventually what we'll do with our hands. That's why the things you do in secret become the things you act out in public. That's why a man's private philosophy determines his public performance. And so uh, the whole, you know, because you go, well, I mean, I'm, I'm immediately moved to a new place. Man, when I became a follower of Christ. No, wait a minute. Pressure doesn't make a man. Pressure only reveals a man for who he really is. Anybody ever drive on the freeway out there? Have you ever had a little moment of pressure? Come on, somebody. Somebody's like moved over in your lane or something like that, and you say a few choice things to them. God bless you as you go on your way. You wave at them like you're number one, you know. <laughs> come on, come on. Don't get religious on me. This is Rock City. That's right. It's not a religious place. And so what, what happens is in this season right now, there's so much negativity swirling, okay? A lot of political advertising is very negative. Why? Because we're negative by nature. We easily believe the negative. We hear something, we go, bam, you know, and we're there real quick. Why? Because it's that, that carnal nature, that old flesh, bam, easily grab onto the negative rather than the positive. So what happens then in that whole thing for Judy and I, a few months ago, we heard some stuff, and we're like, oh, man, this is really bad. Like the last days, and, you know, global warming, it's going to get so hot our faces are going to melt, and, you know, like a comet's going to hit the world, and you know what I'm saying. It's just all this stuff comes up, right? Am I the only one that, like, listens? And, so, and then there's that 24-7 news cycle. I don't care who, who it is. They just more stuff all the time, Right? Easily can be negative. So this scripture, a friend of ours, uh, Mike Maiden out of Phoenix, shared this one day on a little video he did. And we grabbed a hold of it, Judy, and I were like, man, this is something to grab a hold of. So I want, I want to share that with us right now as a place of hope. Everybody say hope. hope. Acts 2.17. This is what I will do in the last days. Everybody say last days. last days. This is God talking, and God speaks through his servant and says, this is what I will do. Who's, God, who's speaking? God is, all right? His sovereignty is speaking here. This is what I will do in the last days. Doesn't matter what anybody else says. Doesn't matter what 24-7 news says. This is what God says. Amen? I will pour out my spirit on everybody. Everybody say, all y'all. All y'all. Turn to somebody and say, it means you. All y'all. I will pour out my spirit on everybody and cause your sons and daughters to prophesy. Now, prophecy here, this prophesy means to speak life. So Ezekiel chapter 37. Speak life over dead situations. Speak life into, into dreams that have been dashed against the rocks. Speak life over businesses that have turned upside down. Speak life. Amen? So then it says, and your young men will see visions. Old men experience dreams from God. The Holy Spirit will come upon all y'all. All my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. What's that? Speak life. I will reveal startling signs and wonders in the sky above and mighty miracles on the earth below. 
Here's the thing. I believe the greatest churches have yet to be built. I believe some of the greatest sermons have yet to be spoken. I believe more people will come to Christ in the days ahead that days ahead that have ever come to Christ in history. I believe we're going to have, whether it's Back Bay or the ocean or a river or a lake, I believe every time you drive by one, you're going to see people being baptized. I believe the last days are going to be full of the power and the Spirit of God, signs and wonders. People are going to be healed. People are going to speak life. Unexpected people are going to do stuff. Like, you mean that guy? Whoa! That guy's speaking life. That guy's speaking the Holy Spirit. Man, that guy's got his entire business following Christ. This is unbelievable. Amen? That's the last days. That's the good news. That's a word of, everybody say hope. hope. That's a word of hope because Jesus wins the victory. Hope is alive. Hope has a name. Hope's name is Jesus. Man, so I get so fired up about that. I'm thrilled to have my beautiful and amazing, spectacular and awesome and sexy wife, Judy, with me today. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, dude, when you got the microphone, get points, bro. Just, just a lesson to everybody. And uh, it really is. And our anniversary is next Friday. It's awesome. And I'm also going to get points, Doug, by not sharing which anniversary it is. All right. And, uh, but anyway, it's great to have you here, baby. And uh, we love uh, Pastor David and Amber. You have two of the greatest pastors in the entire planet. Can you give an amen? Come on, give him a hand. It's fantastic. And also with me is uh, Dr. Ed Preston who is a, uh, a businessman out of Portland and Phoenix. He doesn't know which city he lives in, so he lives in both. And uh, so it's great to have you here today. I'd give Ed a hand. And he shared yesterday. It was awesome. And to have Greg Berg and uh, Terry Elder and a number of other friends there, give all of those guys a hand. It's good to have you here, Greg. And be with Doug and Colton and everybody else. You know, I, uh, I love stories that just fill my heart and Fill me with hope, and, and I love the story of a, a man named Dan Crenshaw, Lieutenant Commander Dan Crenshaw, Navy SEAL, and, um, and he was a, a young man who grew up in Katy, Texas. Many of you know him now as a congressman. This man has a patch on his eye. He, when he was 10 years old, his mother passed away of cancer. His dad worked in the oil business, moved to Columbia. He, uh, uh, he, he began then, in a book his dad gave him, began to read about what it was to be a Navy SEAL, had that dream in him. It looked like a number of times it wouldn't happen because of situations in his life, but he maintained that. He had hope. See, hope is so powerful that it makes up faith. The Word says faith is the substance of things hoped for. In other words, hope is so powerful that it becomes, when we, when we gather it, it becomes faith. It moves mountains. So hope is not wishing Okay? It's not like God's in a bottle and you rub it. This is, this is hope. Is like, man, let's go after this thing. Let's speak life. And Dan Crenshaw had, had hoped to be a Navy SEAL, and he made it. On his fifth tour in Afghanistan in 2012, he was in his, in, on a mission with some men, and an IED blew them all apart. It, it, uh, it messed up Dan terribly, but it blew out his right eye and damaged his left eye. They flew him number of surgeries, and finally they said, we're not sure we're going to be able to save your left eye. He said, you know what? And he began to pray over himself, and his wife began to pray over him. He said, whatever you have to do, let's do it. They said, okay, there's one thing. If it works, if it works, 
you know, it could work. We're not sure. We're going to do an operation, but then you have to lay face down. You can't move for six weeks. Now, six weeks just sounds like a word until you're the person. Right? I mean, so like six hours? Are you kidding? Six weeks. He sat face, he laid face down in one of those, like uh, the table, like with the thing, like a massage thing. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, okay, chiropractor deal. And he's like face down, and he didn't move for six weeks. And they were able, and then his wife, every day praying over him. He's praying. What is he? He's a man of hope. He's a man of hope. I recommend his book, Fortitude. Now, I will tell you, there's, there's, uh, you've got a lot of scripture in it, but there's also some Navy SEAL language in it. Can I get an amen for Navy SEALs? But it's so, just so you know, it's, don't give it to your 13-year-old boy. So, but read it to him and then go, and then move on. Beep. And um, so Dan, a man of hope, man of perseverance, man of endurance, grabbed the word of God, held it in his heart, kept a hold of it. And today, with the lens that they were able to give him, has 20-20 vision in that left eye. Is that amazing? Amazing story. I love the, the stories of hope and perseverance and holding on and being strong. And I believe God wants us to be filled with hope. Turn to somebody to say, hope is alive. Hope is alive. See, because we easily, easily believe the negative. There's this guy in the, in the Old Testament, First Covenant, named Elijah. And Elijah is an amazing prophet of God. Elijah speaks life over a young boy, and the guy comes back to life. That's pretty strong. Come on, somebody. Right? And, uh, and so that's a, it's a bucket list, the elk, and then the raise somebody from the dead. Amen. Not right now. Yeah, just not, not now. Just don't anybody die. Well, actually, it could, yeah, hey. Fill the bucket list right now. That'd be awesome. I don't know. I'd just assume be on the road back to. And so, uh, so Elijah raises this guy from the dead. Then Elijah, out of just like the king, is just a, like this guy Ahab and his wife Jezebel. Man, he's just a perverted guy. And so Elijah says, "All right, God, you know what? We got to do something with this guy." And he just prays, says, "God, don't let it rain." He tells the king, "says It's not going to rain." And he goes, you got me? And God goes, I got you. He prays. For th over three years, it doesn't rain. And then he's got this thing. brings the prophets of Baal together, the false prophets, and they do this contest about who can bring fire from heaven and consume this sacrifice. And those 400, over 400 guys, they pray all day, and nothing happens. And Elijah goes, watch this, man. Watch my God. And he doesn't just pray for fire. He says, pour water over it. They pour over 100 gallons of water over this whole thing. And he goes, let's do this. Bam. Fire. This guy called fire from heaven. Yeah. Raised a kid from the dead. Prayed it didn't rain. And then after all of that happened, the queen got mad about it because he also killed the 400 prophets of Baal, which were her guys. And she gets mad, puts a contract out on his head, and Elijah runs for his life. But think about this. Think about how heavy that guy is, how powerful he is, and yet at that moment, he runs. Why? Because he's tired, right? He's, he's kind of gotten down a little bit, 
Life's hit him. Some people have said some stuff. A little negativity creeps in, and he runs for his life. And that's what happens to you and me. We see great stuff happen. We think, man, this is powerful. And then we get a little tired, a little depressed, a little depression gets in, a little discouragement. Somebody else sells something else. And then we see something on the news, and pretty soon negativity begins to jump on us. See, here's the thing. Hope is alive, and Jesus isn't tired. Can you get an amen? See, the enemy is going to attack us on our worst day. On our worst day, that's when he shows up and goes, goes hey, uh, things are pretty bad. And you go, yep. It's like, and here's what Paul said in Philippians 4. Write it down. Philippians 4 says this, verse 8. Fix your thoughts because we become what we think about. That's what identity is. Your definition, what you think about, is what you become. Romans 12.2 says change, to change your life, change the way you think. It says fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace, everybody say peace, peace. will be with you. He is the God of peace. Romans 15, 13 says his peace will be with you. Now the problem for many of us is we misdefine things and how we define it becomes the way we make decisions. You make decisions based on definition. All behavior follows belief. So what happens is we hear, we hear something, we define it. If we define it wrongly, we make decisions based on a foundational thought that is improper. Let me, let me help us define peace. In the world, peace is defined as the absence of conflict, the absence of storms, or the absence of war. You know, we talk about peace in the Middle East, right? Peace in the Middle East. And what are they talking about? They're talking about no conflict, no war, no storms. So what happens to you and I when we talk about peace, well, I just want to be a person of peace, we have a tendency to remove ourselves from any conflict or any storm or any opposition or any issue, right? So we pull ourselves back, and what we've done is we've moved out of the battle and put ourselves into a place called neutral. And in a place called neutral, which comes out of the word neuter, you don't reproduce anything good. Okay, watch this. So when we do that, peace then, let me define peace then. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace in the Word of God is not the absence of storms. Peace in the Word of God is not the absence of war. Peace in the Word of God is the presence of Jesus in the middle of the storm. The presence of Christ in the middle of crisis. Come on, give God a hand on that one. Because that's His Word for you and me. And when Elijah... Heard that from the Lord. Heard that from the Father. He got right back up, went about his stuff, raised up a guy named Elisha who had an even more powerful, powerful ministry. Romans 15, 13. Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope. Fountain of hope. God is the source of hope. The fountain of hope. Hope. Now watch this, watch this. Write this down, somebody. Write this down, and then send it to everybody else, okay? You just see that? Just do a social share. Yeah, it's like a share thing. 
or we'll put it in the little comment section on the live video now with everybody. Hope is never stuck in the past. Hope is always pointed towards your future. Jesus isn't hammering you about your past. Jesus always spoke to men about their future. That's Christ. Religion hammers us about our past, where we were, what we did. Yeah, you're still this. You're just a worm. No, the Bible says, and Jesus looked at guys who were messed up, like a guy who was a tax collector. Basically, he was a thief. Again, a guy named Zacchaeus, he looks at Zacchaeus and goes, man, you've got something in you. According to Ephesians 2.10 says, you're my masterpiece. I created you for good works from before you were ever born, man. I'm coming to your house, Zacchaeus, and the scandal of grace is that even bad people get in. Come on, somebody. That's awesome. Come on, Rock City. Right? That's the scandal of grace. That's the beauty of being a follower of Christ. You don't have to somehow get your act together because you can't. Just now turn to somebody and go, I know what he's talking about. I, I know what he's talking about. The Bible says, Paul said, putting all the old things aside, I focus on the new. Focus isn't about greater intensity. It's about greater intentionality. That's the power of prayer. Prayer, see the beauty of prayer is when we pray, it begins to cut away the stuff that gets on us. Prayer strips away the inconsequential out of our lives. Focus is about doing the right thing at the right moment. And we so easily get distracted. Anybody ever get distracted? What did he say? <laughs> Wait a minute. What did, he say? did he just... What was that he saying? My self-talk's just like flying. Wait a minute, i got to call somebody. Wait a minute, did I turn the light off? <laughs> right? And, and so uh, we get easily, so prayer centers us because it cuts away the stuff that easily gets on us. Paul said, he said, when you become a follower of Christ, you're no longer defined by your past, you're defined by your future. He says, the old man is gone and all things have become New. How many people love new stuff? Hope is so powerful. It's about the new. See, hope is a spiritual direction. When we start getting filled with hope, we begin dreaming about stuff, working toward it, uh, having action, vision. Let's get this thing done. Power of the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, My thoughts... And my heart for you are not for your destruction, but to give you a future and a hope. Who said that? God said that. When Judy and I were married a few years ago, uh, when we were married, man, we just were filled with hope, right? What life's going to be like and joy and excitement. And God says in Revelation 21, he says, for you I make all things new. Fresh. My words are true. They can be relied on. Now, here's another word that's in Romans 15, 13. He says, I will fill you to overflowing. Dude, I love that. I love that. I, uh, I really appreciate Pastor David and Amber and, and the Coffee Waves shops and, uh, and got to have some of your great gelato yesterday. It's here for gelato. Anybody ever had, but, but have you ever had like an ice cream cone? 
and, and they put the ice cream on top, and then you start eating it, and you realize half the whole thing's empty. There's nothing in there. It's like they just stuck the little thing on top. You eat that, and then it's just like a thing, which I guess you're supposed to eat. So, you know. But, man, God says overflowing. You know what that means? There's, not, there's no air bubbles. There's no, there's no gaps. Overflowing means he fills us to overflowing. Man, that picture is just huge. Ephesians 1 says superabundance. Speaking of that superabundance, Ephesians 1 says he has lavished on us his presence. It's like a pouring out. I mean, just here's everything with nothing held back. I think about Israel in the, in the wilderness. Now, Israel has messed up, right? God's trying to take them, if you know the story, out of Egypt. Remember, following Christ is never about just getting out of your past, but taking you into your future. It's always coming out of Egypt, but into the promised land. And they fell into negative thinking. They're like, man, this isn't going to work. It's not going to go right. And they missed the pull of God into that. But God didn't give up on them, even if they gave up on themselves. Come on, somebody. God's never given up on you, no matter how many times you've given up on yourself. So now they're in the wilderness, they're wandering. You know, he's kind of getting them ready to move back in. And in the middle of that, he still provides for them. Not only provided, but it was lavish. It was super abundance. It says that Moses would strike a rock and there'd be water come out. Now, this is two and a half million people. How much water is that? That's a lot of water. They say, some people who have studied said it, was, it had to have at least been eight feet wide, four foot thick of a constantly flowing stream of water. Every place they camped, they had to build a dam in order to contain the water that was coming because God provided them for them with super abundance. It says that every single day there would be manna. Anybody know that name? Manna would come from heaven and be like bread. In fact, what's great is that God provided from heaven. But the word manna actually mean, means, what is it? What is it? It's like, God's giving you manna. What is it? I don't know. Here, eat some. You want some what is it? The next day, hey, some more, what is it? And so every single day, it's fresh, new, every single day. Finally, they get tired of it after about 20 years. They go, hey, can we have some meat? He goes, sure. Bam, so many quail fell out of the sky. They finally go, hey, we're done with the meat. Give us some, what is it? Right? Everybody say super abundance. That's the heart of God. That's the presence of God. That's who he is. He didn't just give you a little bit of the Holy Spirit, see what you do with it, and if you did okay, give you a little more. The Bible says he lavished on us and everything you need to fulfill and sustain your life and follow Christ with a passion you have right now. Bam! bam. Turn to somebody and just say, bam. bam. <laughs> I've never done that before, man. It's so funny. Only Rock City, right? Holy Rock City. Hey, think about this. Jesus shows up. There's some guys who have been fishing all night. Hey, come on up, uh, keyboard guy, person, people, thing. <laughs> Worshippers, musicians of the almighty Lord God. Amen. Uh, so Jesus shows up, and there's some guys who have been fishing all night, hadn't caught a thing. 
Like it, it looks like failure, right? And Jesus shows up. He says, put your nets on the other side. And what happened? Bam. Everybody say, bam. <laughs> and what happened? Right then, so many fish came. It tore, started tearing the nets, right? They started calling over guys. Hey, guys, come on. Fill up other boats with fish. That's called superabundance. He's the God of superabundance. He's the God of hope, not just a little hope, big hope. When he healed people, he healed everybody of everything. He healed guys that didn't even believe in him. <laughs> it's like shows up and, and looks at a guy who's blind and you know, it heals him. The guy goes, who are you? <laughs> you know, I mean, think about this. This is awesome. And he believes in Christ. He just did that over and over and over. He's a God of superabundance. His first miracle, think about this as a way to start a ministry. He shows up at a wedding. They run out of wine, which I hope the bride already knew that about the groom. <laughs> He's going to be a little stingy. Like he didn't buy enough wine for everybody? Are you kidding? I'm married to this guy? Anyway, it's a little sidebar, sorry. Remember when you read the Bible, it's real people who really lived. So this really happened. And there's Jesus. He shows up. And what did he do? Made wine out of water. How much wine? 180 gallons of wine. A lot. Like people are leaving going, take some wine with you. Right? Here, have some more wine. You sure you don't want another wine skinful? Right? I mean, think about it. He lavished. He's super abundant. That's who he is. That's what the Bible says in Romans 15, 13. 180 gallons of wine. Now, Romans 15, 13. What's the first word? What's the first word? Now. Now. Today. Right now, he's that God. Not some other day. Not when conditions are right. Not when God feels you measure up. We have problems and obstacles and issues, but he's always stronger. Always. Bigger. Always. Healer. Always. Second Kings 17, there's this woman, uh, fourth chapter, there's this woman who, who's uh, like, there's, you can go ahead and like do a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Just do a thing. So we, that way we land. Play some landing music. So what happens is this woman, uh, her husband died. He's been an associate pastor with a guy named Elisha, but he left a bunch of debts. And they're going to take her two boys. And she's like, man, you know, this is just bad. They're going to take her two boys. They're going to have to work it off for years, indentured. And she's just a crisis. So she goes finds Elisha, and she goes, hey, my husband's dead, you're a guy. Elisha says, what do you got? She says, I've got just a little bottle of oil. Just got a little oil. <laughs> this is so awesome. He goes, all right. See, because all you have to do is bring what you got, and God's a God of multiplication. God, I just got this dream. I, I think I can pivot the business. I'm, I'm praying about how to resurrect it. I'm, Father, I'm praying for a new job, promotions. I'm praying for raises. I'm praying for this, for that. Just bring that little bit of faith. And God says, watch this. And she, and she takes that little bottle, and, and, they, and, told, and he says, just take it and get as many jars as you can and begin to pour it out. 
And the oil never stopped flowing. She poured it out, and she not only had enough money to pay the debt, she had enough money to live on and raise those boys. That's our God. See, he's a God of super abundance. He's a God who's always there. See, your obstacles, your issue, your problem does not denote, connote, or, or constrain God in how he's going to respond. It doesn't determine God's ability. The size of our problem doesn't determine the size of our God. Amen? Everybody stand up with me right now. There's a guy named uh, Lazarus. He's, uh, he's, he's really the best friend of Jesus. He gets sick. And his sister, he's got two sisters, Mary and Martha. Anybody know this story, Lazarus? And he's such a close friend that Jesus didn't make him a disciple. It's interesting, isn't it? He's got this guy named Lazarus. Close friends, because... Martha says about him, Jesus, the man you love, like your best friend. And if you study it out, he spends a lot of time in Bethany at Lazarus's house. And uh, I, I basically, because I, I guess Mary was cool to hang with and Martha knew how to cook. And I get an amen. And, uh, and so, so Jesus has this best friend named Lazarus. And Lazarus gets sick. They send word for him. And he's, he's really, they say, five or six hours walk away. But he doesn't show up. See, God always has a strategy. God always has a plan. And God's plan is always for the increase of the kingdom and the increase of your life. Jesus shows up four days later. Lazarus is dead. He's been dead for four days. Now, I'm sure before Lazarus died, he had hope that he'd live. But when he died, he had no more hope. <laughs> I mean, I, maybe, that, maybe that's just me, but I don't think he's sitting in there going, man, I hope he shows up. I don't think he's in the grave going, been here three days now, how long is this going to take? Right, he's dead, so he has no faith. In other words, when Jesus shows up and raises him from the dead, it wasn't about how powerful Lazarus was. It was how powerful Jesus was. So it's not how, how much I can, how loud I can pray. Right? It's not, it's not man, I got my act together so I know Jesus is going to help me right now. We can be dead. Literally, I got nothing. Like, our prayer can be, God, I got nothing. But when Jesus shows up, hope arrives. Right? When Jesus shows up, hope is there. And hope arrives, and hope raises Lazarus from the dead. Now, fast forward, there's this moment where it says that Jesus left Bethany, went to Jerusalem, and it's the last start of the last seven days before he gets crucified, it's a triumphant entry. You know, people waving palm branches. Where do all those people start? In fact, let me back it up a little further. The, the, the chief priests and all these guys are going to kill Jesus, right? They all get together. 
And, and then there's a little sidebar, a little scripture that says, and let's kill Lazarus also, because on account of him, too many people are becoming followers of Christ. So what's happening at Lazarus's house? So many people are becoming followers of Christ that when Jesus left Bethany to ride that donkey into Jerusalem, it says people started waving palm branches. People started putting their jackets on the road in front of them. Who has that? It's all the people who got saved at Lazarus's house. Thousands of them. Is that awesome? I mean, just imagine what's happening. Lazarus is going like, dude, I was dead, man. You know, there's dead, and then there's dead, dead. Like, I wasn't just dead, bro. I was dead, dead. Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up. Right then, everything changed, and everything shifted. And the beauty of this moment right now is that hope is alive. Hope has a name. Hope's name is Jesus. And that same Jesus, that same Jesus that raised Lazarus from the dead is here right now. Whatever the obstacle, whatever the issue, whatever the problem, whatever the situation, hope has arrived. I want to pray into that right now, and then we're going to watch hope happen right here. When these men raise these swords, and it's a ceremony as men have finished this discipleship process, it's happened in over uh, 70 nations now around the world. Strong men, powerful men, men like the guys in Indonesia, changing nations. And I believe that's what's happening out of Rock City. As these seven men come up in a moment, raise these swords. It really isn't just about the past three years of investment. It's about the next three weeks, the next three months, and the next three years. It's not just about raising the sword as the end of something. It's raising the sword as the start of something. But I believe for, for some of us right now here today, it can be the start of something new. Because hope is in the air. Hope is here. And hope said, hey, no matter what you've done, no matter what's happened, no matter where you've been, no matter how you've messed up, I'm here to give you new life. And everything can be new and everything can be fresh. And today can be the start of a brand new path as you become a follower of Jesus Christ. Everybody bow your head with me right now. And I want you to repeat this after me as we pray this for somebody here who today is moving from negative to positive, from dark to light, from depression to power. We're going to pray this together. Say it after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming to earth, living a perfect life, for going to the cross, paying the price for my sin, for going to the grave, for defeating death, and for the resurrection. Father, thank you for sending your son, because today I can have new life through your son Jesus. So, Father, forgive me of my mistakes, my sins, my issues. Today, right now, here in this place, I receive your son, Jesus, 
as my Lord and Savior. And I commit to following Him all the days of my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Awesome.